61 of Quite Excellent. We've had finals. I've almost finished grading everything. And there are no more assignments. So why this episode? Well, I adore the insight that my students have and feel like I need one last opportunity to celebrate some of their great analyses. There is no assignment because with today's episode, it's just me basking in the brilliance of my students and offering a final poem for the year. For that poem, we have an excerpt from Maya Angelou's poem, Continue, whose original was written as a letter to Oprah Winfrey. From what I can tell, it was first published in a collection titled Celebrations, Rituals of Peace and Prayer, and the poem celebrated Oprah on her birthday. While the original had a particular, specific audience in mind, I think there was something to offer us as well. First, however, we need to get back to Joy Harjo's This Morning I Pray for My Enemies. Here's the poem, read by me this time. This Morning I Pray for My Enemies by Joy Harjo And whom do I call my enemy? An enemy must be worthy of engagement. I turn in the direction of the sun and keep walking. It's the heart that asks the question, not my furious mind. The heart is the smaller cousin of the sun. It sees and knows everything. It hears the gnashing even as it hears the blessing. The door to the mind should only open from the heart. An enemy who gets in risks the danger of becoming a friend. Given the subject of the poem, I think it makes sense to start with some of the student analysis that focused specifically on the heart. One student said that the poem explores the sensitivity and vulnerability of the human heart through the use of figurative language, describing the heart as the smaller cousin of the sun. It's a way to express how the heart lights up our souls, this student says. Another points to this line as suggesting uh, a, a connection that's important. The sun is enormous and very powerful. And, they say, the heart is just like that. Even though it is a smaller cousin, it is still family, just as strong. Another writes that the heart sees and knows everything, and it is in the center of one's body. And they note how the sun is always there and is the center of the solar system, which may show the similarities between the two. The student writes that the heart is a versatile and unexpected system, quoting that it hears the gnashing even as it hears the blessing. As the heart sees and knows everything, the student says that the speaker suggests the importance of two opposing ideas while still balancing them to represent the flexibility of the heart and how it can adapt to a collection of different sentiments. Another writes, that the author is using juxtaposition here to compare heart and sun to express its function. This is a clever way to con contrast how a heart can be so powerful and let so many things happen. One student writes that the heart being a smaller cousin of the sun, while the speaker turns in the direction of the sun and keeps walking, it shows she's always following her heart because it is something she can trust. Finally, a student writes that the speaker compares the heart to the sun both being able to guide a person. The speaker turned to the direction of the sun and was following the sun and was walking through this guidance. I think this is a good place to connect to a larger response that I'm going to quote. Um, the next few are, I'm quoting at length 
here. In fact, the majority of his students' response, just because I thought it was quite thoughtful and it builds on this idea and the relationship between the heart and the sun really well. This student writes, The speaker conveys that one may not achieve perfection, but it is vital to try to. According to the speaker, the heart is wise and caring yet disoriented sometimes. The speaker states that the heart sees and knows everything, yet asks questions challenging to answer. It does not hold answers to all questions and is therefore actively striving to discover the answers. The sun then symbolizes perfection. Guided by the heart, the speaker walks in the direction of the sun to try to find these answers. Since it is impossible to reach the sun, especially through walking, the speaker implies that it is impossible to reach perfection. The speaker suggests coming close to it rather than opposing the sun due to the difficult journey required to reach it. In everyday life, the sun is seen as being essential for life. Through this concept, the speaker uses the sun as a direction to follow, to become successful, and to aim to be perfect. And I just, wow, that's a lot of good stuff. I'm really impressed. Uh, these explorations of the heart don't stop with the sun's comparison, but also a comparison between the heart and the mind. Uh, a student writes that Joy Harjo shows how the heart knows more than our mind. Another says that the heart can hear things that the mind filters, such as blessings and gnashing. One writes that Joy Harjo emphasizes that the heart inflicts the most pain, even though the mind seems responsible, unlocking the only course to forgiveness, and that while the heart may not hear or interpret it, it carries the burden of the gnashing. Another says that Harjo uses enemy here to show the contrast between the mind and the heart with another building on that based on the second line of the poem, she believes her enemy isn't even worthy of attention and how she chooses her heart, which acts as a beacon of hope and not her mind, which refuses to let that hurt go. Now, some students explored structure and some of the actual co composition of the poem, one wrote that Harjo structures her poem without enjambment to show the style of a train of thought. It's choppy, it's made to emphasize specific things, it shows these two opposing sides that are in conflict. Another student writes that juxtaposition in the poem shows that the harmful things in life may not be as bad as someone thinks. The most obvious place is in the last line of the poem, an enemy and then becoming a friend. The student writes that an enemy who enters through the heart risks a, the danger of becoming a friend and, and seems to suggest that enemies may not be as bad as first thought, especially as they must be worthy. A different student said that Joy Harjo uses the personification of the heart to tell us to look deeper into our enemy. When Harjo writes, it's the heart that asks the question, she means that we should question where our enemy is coming from. Maybe see from their perspective. Another notes that the heart seems to represent a gateway of emotion, and by using the heart, the author can control her furious mind and focus. And this focus on an enemy is not isolated to these few responses. I had a few other good ones as well. One writes that an enemy who gets in risks the danger of becoming a friend seems to portray the heart as a door because she turns the heart into a sort of trap by portraying it 
as a gateway, she's able to extinguish the ego and anger of her opposition. Another student points to the same line and suggests that if an enemy can turn into a friend, then who does one really need to oppose? A different student writes that I believe the author is trying to tell us that we need to spend our time and energy on people wisely. However, we are allowed to choose people we strongly dislike. Harjo may also be telling us that we should not jump to conclusions about people or judge someone before we get to know them. It is easy to dislike someone. And finally, a student writes that an enemy is not necessarily a negative individual, but someone who can be a friend if allowed to be understood. For our next and final poem of this academic year, we do not have any secret passphrases or writing tasks, although I hope that these writing strategies live in the back of my students' brains. I believe they'll make for some strong writing if they continue to be implemented, especially, of course, when writing about poetry, but also elsewhere. These strategies have included using the author's name by itself, using slashes for line and stanza breaks, embedding quotations as short as possible, ideally less than five words if you can manage it, using multiple quotations in a single sentence, adding adjectives to academic words like imagery and diction and syntax, considering the use of enjambment when talking about poetry, avoiding the same sentence openings, and including different sentence types, like telegraphic sentences or complex sentences. You don't need to use any of these until next year, should you choose to do so. We just have one last poem, and it is the excerpt from Continue, from Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou, Continue. My wish for you is that you continue. Continue, continue. to be who and how you are to astonish a mean world with your acts of kindness. Continue, continue to allow humor to lighten the burden of your tender heart. Continue in a society dark with cruelty to let people hear the grandeur of God and the peals of your laughter. Continue, continue to let your eloquence elevate the people to heights they had only imagined. Continue, continue to remind the people that each is as good as the other and that no one is beneath nor above you. Continue. continue to remember your own young ears and look with favor upon the lost and the least and the lonely. Continue, continue. to put the mantle of your protection around the bodies of the young and defenseless. Continue, continue. to take the hand of the despised and diseased and walk proudly with them in the high street. Some might see you and be encouraged to do likewise. Continue, continue. to plant a public kiss of concern on the cheek of the sick and the aged and the infirm, and count that as a natural action to be expected. Continue. Continue to let gratitude be the pillow upon which you kneel to say your nightly prayer and let faith be the bridge you build to overcome evil and welcome good. Continue, Continue. to ignore no vision which comes to enlarge your range and increase your spirit. Continue, Continue. to dare to love deeply and risk everything for the good thing. Continue. Continue to float happily in the sea of infinite substance which set aside riches for you before you had a name. Continue. Continue. And by doing so, you and your work will be able to continue eternally. Students, be sure to, well, do whatever makes you most joyful this summer. 
enjoy your time away, read some good books, and come back next year feeling refreshed, maybe even bigger and more capable of tackling the challenges that lay ahead for you. If you enjoy this podcast, have suggestions, or would like the class to direct their eyes toward a particular poem or poetic device, leave a comment on lightandteaches.com or on Twitter. I am at lightandteaches. The content of this podcast is used as a companion to class instructional activities, well, usually, and ownership of these texts remain with their stated authors. Thank you for joining me for episode 61 of this podcast. I hope that between now and the next time you hear from me, discover and savor a few things that you yourself find quite excellent.